this morning I will be teaching from Romans chapter 5 verses 1 through 11. And let me pray for us real quick and then we'll jump right into it. So Father God in heaven, let's pray to you in your son's name and thank you so much for this time that we all could be here and just race dirt bikes and have fun with friends and family and just thank you for this opportunity to hear from your word and just to learn from you and just thank you for that father i pray that you would just help me to speak your word truthfully and just to explain it how it was supposed to be explained and just thank you father for all that you do in jesus name i pray amen all right romans chapter 5 starting in verse 1 the bible says therefore being justified by faith we have peace with god through our lord jesus christ by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. For when, for when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath unto him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also join God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. So before I exposit this passage of scripture, it's important to understand context. As, as in who wrote the book of Romans, why it was written. And to answer that question, the Apostle Paul, he is the one who wrote the book of Romans. And the Apostle Paul, he also wrote majority of the New, of the New Testament. And Paul's main writing was letters to the churches that he established. However, what makes Romans different from Paul's other letters is that Paul did not establish the church of Rome, which then leads to a question. If Paul didn't establish the church of Rome, then who did? Well, Roman Catholic tradition claims that Peter founded the church of Christ, and Peter, he is one of the disciples of Jesus. And it's likely that Peter wrote the book of 1 Peter in Rome and also was martyred in Rome as well. The founding of the Roman church was also due to the events of Pentecost talked about in the book of Acts. Many people from Pentecost who converted to Christianity hailed from Rome. So therefore, Roman citizens who converted to Christianity went back to Rome to spread the gospel. So to summarize the founding of the church of Rome, it was mainly due to faithful people of God spreading the gospel. So another question that must be answered is why did Paul write this letter? Well, in the first chapter of his letter, he explains that he had for a long time wished to come to Rome, but he was prevented. He was prevented for many reasons, but mainly because Paul needed first to go to Jerusalem with his collection. And what is this collection that Paul was talking about? Well, this collection was for the saints. The collection was the gathering of funds to assist the Christians in Jerusalem and Judea who were suffering severe poverty because of the intense persecution that they endured. Another reason for Paul writing this letter is that he wanted to begin a new mission where the gospel had never been reached, which was Spain, and he wanted Roman support in that venture. And also, Paul wrote this letter because in the church of Rome, there was a lack of unity within, within the church. The church of Rome was composed of Jews and Greeks, therefore, there were differences between the two, especially within the area of superiority. 
So to summarize, Paul wrote Romans to speak of the defense he would need to make in Jerusalem, the need for unity in the church, and the proposal of a mission to Spain. So a couple weeks ago at Windy Hill, if you were there, I spoke on chapter 3 of the book of Romans, which talks about justification, propitiation, and redemption. And the main point of that message was that through faith in Jesus, one can be made right before God. And it's not because of a person's good works. It's not because of a person's good behavior. Rather, it is solely through the sacrifice of Jesus that you can be made right before a holy God. Well, chapter 5 of, in the book of Romans, verses 1 through 11, it teaches more on justification, but more so on the fruits and benefits of justification. And so what are these benefits? Well, starting in verses 1 through 2, the Bible says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So having been justified with God, which again means being made right before God, you now have peace and access to Him through Christ. Before a person comes to Christ, by faith and is justified, that person is an enemy of God and is separated from His presence because of sin. And the reason why there is that separation between a hum, of, of a human being being consumed by sin in, in, the, in the presence of God is that God cannot dwell in sin. It doesn't make any sense that a holy God would be in the same place where, ho- where unholiness resides. But again, as you learned a couple weeks ago at Wendy Hill, if you were there for that message, A person who comes to Christ by faith is made right before God. Meaning that your sins are forgiven because Jesus placed them on himself when he died on the cross. Meaning that God was satisfied by the sacrifice of Jesus. And because of that, you are now saved from the coming wrath of God. Quick side note. Why was God satisfied with the sacrifice of Jesus? Well, it means this. Al Baker, who is an ordained pastor, he wrote... If you are in Christ Jesus, the separation from the Holy One, who is God, is taken away. His wrath has been poured out on Jesus so that you no longer must suffer the sure and certain judgment of hell. It means that God's wrath has been satisfied, that the blood of Jesus, made possible by his death, has appeased the just condemnation of God. It means that God is for you, that he will never leave you nor forsake you. That is very, that is beautifully written by Al Baker. Through Jesus, through his sacrifice, the the wrath of God is satisfied. It's satisfied, and therefore, you don't have to suffer it. Christ suffered it for you. So when you come to Christ by faith, the the suffering of God's wrath, you no longer have to endure because Christ suffered it for you. And you can also summarize that statement by Al Baker by saying that God desires all people to be saved. And through Jesus, you can be saved. The, the scriptures teach that God desires that all people come to knowledge of truth and be saved. So God desires for you. He does not want you to suffer his wrath. He wants you to be saved. He wants to be with you for all of eternity. And through Jesus, you can be with God for all of eternity. So Paul, he spoke of the joy of salvation in verses 3 through 5, which carries you through the tribulations of this life in full confidence of the glory to come. In verse 3 it says, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. So in light of this hope, your troubles only serve to make you persevere all the more. 
And the reason why it makes you persevere all the more is because of who you can rely on through difficult times. Jesus said in John 16, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So when you rely on Jesus, it helps you get through the troubles of life. It produces character. And in that, it strengthens your hope. And this hope is not an empty hope. The Holy Spirit assures you of the certainty of the life to come where there will be no more pain, no more tears, no more sadness. Rather, there will be peace, joy, and love with your Creator for all of eternity. In the book of Revelation, it speaks of a new heaven and a new earth. And it explains that the new heaven and the new earth will be nothing but joy, nothing but peace, nothing but love with your Creator for all of eternity. That's the hope that you have through Christ, that one day God will make things right and there will be no more sin, no more evil, no more wickedness, nothing but peace, love, and joy. In verses 6 through 8, it assures you of God's love. In verse 6, it says, For when we are yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So this love that God has for you is shown through Christ. God gave up his son to be a sacrificial substitute for your life. God knew that you couldn't come to him by your own strength. God knew that the only way you could be saved and made right before him was through his son, Jesus. The Bible teaches that God is love meaning that love is an attribute of his character and is perfectly shown through Jesus. Love is not a feeling. If it were, then you and I would be in big trouble because sin makes God feel very angry and very displeased. If love was considered only a feeling, then God's attitude towards you would only be hateful and condemning, which then would go against his true character. But God proves that love is not a feeling, rather love is an action. The action of sinning as one and only son to die on a cross for your sake despite your sin against him. God's love is true. God's love is powerful. His love seeks the best for you, and God did indeed give you his best through his son, Jesus. Alistair Begg, who is the senior pastor of of Cleveland's Parkside Church, he wrote a beautiful description of Romans chapter 5, verse 8. He said, By nature we have neglected God's wisdom, We've rebelled against his authority, and we've doubted his goodness. And here's the wonder, that he still loved those who turned their backs on him, that from all of eternity he had a plan to save us, so that even in our ability to know him or to love him or certainly to understand him and serve him in Jesus, he has come to redeem and restore us. And that is beautifully written by Alistair Bay. You couldn't get a better description of, of that verse. God's love for you is so strong. God's love for you is so powerful and it is proven in His Son Christ. God could have easily just been done with humanity, but God chose to send His Son Christ to sacrifice His life for you so that you can be forgiven of your sin, so that you can be saved and have eternal life. To conclude this chapter, verses 9 through 11, it says, Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, 
by whom we have now received the atonement. So there are a lot of things that uh, teach us here in these verses. Verse 9, it teaches what Jesus saves you from, and that is God's wrath. Jesus saves you from God's wrath. You're not saved from sin or hell. You're saved from God's wrath that will pour out upon this world in due time. Through Jesus, you are forgiven of sin, not saved from sin. Rather, you are forgiven of your sin through Jesus. And also, you're not saved from hell because hell is just a place that sin goes to because it can't dwell in God's presence. Hell is also just a place that God created for the devil and his angels. And why is that? Because again, God can't dwell in sin, so it must go somewhere else. Like I said earlier, in Revelation chapter 22, the Bible talks about a new heaven and a new earth. And when God creates this new heaven and new earth, he will cleanse the world of its unholiness, of its sin, of its wickedness. So if God creates this new world and this new earth, if it's going to be perfect, if it's going to be holy and, 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 and righteous, then there must be no sin within it. Therefore, that is why sin goes to hell, because sin cannot be in the presence of God. So Jesus saves you from God's wrath. He saves you from the great and terrible day that will soon come. And the reality is, is that all of humanity deserves God's wrath. But the grace and mercy of God gives you a chance to come to Him through faith in Christ and be saved from that great and terrible day that is known as God's wrath. But a quick side note. God's wrath is, is just, meaning that it's fair. It's an act of His love and His mercy towards saved sinners. When you are saved through faith in Christ, you become God's child, sealed by the Holy Spirit to be with Him for all eternity. All the world's troubles will be gone, never to be known again. All sin and evil will be gone, never to be known again. God's wrath will purify the world, and He will create a new one. And all you will ever know is peace, love, and joy. Again, in verse 9, it teaches that a person is justified through the blood of Jesus. And with hearing that, a question may arise as in, I thought justification was through faith. And it is through faith. So why does it say justified by the blood of Jesus? Well, looking at the Old Testament sacrificial system, a person would sacrifice a lamb, and the blood of that lamb would be the atonement of that person's sin. Also, when reading the Old Testament sacrificial system, the lamb had to be of certain criteria, and one criteria being the lamb had to be without defect. So you and I are with defect, meaning our lives, our blood is contaminated because of our sin. Jesus, however, was not with defect. How was that so? Well, Jesus, he is the Son of God. When he came to earth, he was every bit of God and every bit of man. And what makes Jesus different from you and I is that Jesus was born of the Spirit rather than the flesh. Even more, Jesus did what you and I can never do, and that is to fully obey God's law. Scripture teaches that Jesus never sinned, and because of that, His life, His blood was never contaminated. His blood stayed pure. His blood was out defect. In the book of Hebrews, it states that the law, particularly the law of God given in the Old Testament, requires that everything must be cleansed by blood. It states how without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. In the Gospel of Matthew, while Jesus and his disciples were having the Last Supper, Jesus says that his blood is the New Testament, which is shed for the remission of sins. 
In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, it says, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So that verse tells us even more that the blood of Jesus is pure. <clears throat> and the blood of Jesus is without defect. So through the pure blood of Jesus that was shed for you, it permanently cleanses you of your sins. It cleanses you from all past and future sins. I remember growing up singing a hymn, or rather hearing the hymn, because as a kid I didn't think it was cool to sing, but this particular hymn, it's saying about how there's power in the blood of Jesus. In some of the lyrics, it, re it reads as, Would you be free from the burden of sin? Would you be whiter, yes, brighter than snow? And these questions that are sung within this hymn are answered with the statement of how there's power in the blood of Jesus. How there's wonder-working power in the precious blood of Jesus. And it's such a powerful and simple hymn. And I'm so thankful that I grew up with, with hymns being sung because hymns are, are true gospel-written songs. In the blood of Jesus, it is precious. It's without blemish. It's without, it's without spot. And it frees you from the burden of sin. And it washes you white as snow. In verse 10, it says, For if, when we are enemies, we are reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. So this verse, it brings a new word to our study, and that word is reconciliation, which means that two parties who once were separated from each other are now at peace with one another. To further explain, the two parties are you and God. Your sin, it separates you from God. But through faith in Jesus, you and God are now in peace with each other. The damaged relationship is now restored because of your faith in Christ. In verse 10, it states that you were once an enemy of God, but through the death of His Son, who is Jesus, you are reconciled to God. In verse 10, ends by saying, Now since you are reconciled to God through the death of His Son, you also shall be saved by His life. And that's the indicator that only Jesus can save your life. If you could save your life, then what was the point of Jesus? There would have been no point of Christ. If you could save yourself, if, you, if the world could save you, then Christ would have came in vain. But He didn't come in vain. He came with a purpose, and that was to save your life. So your life is saved through the obedience of Christ. Your life is saved because of His willing sacrifice. You're saved by His life. He gave up His life so you could have life. And through Jesus, you understand that the reality that you were once a broken, condemned sinner brought to life through Jesus. And in that understanding, you have joy because Christ made it all possible. There's joy because now you don't have to wander through life wondering how you can be saved because you're confident that Jesus saves you. It's an overwhelming joy that most times can't be understood because it's such amazing grace that God would look at sinners like you and me and love us rather than condemn us. And then looking at verse 11, it ends by saying that you have now received the atonement. What does that word atonement mean? Well, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints defines that word as saying, it's to suffer the penalty for sins, thereby removing the effects of sin from the repentant sinner and allowing him or her to be reconciled to God. So that's what Jesus did. He suffered on a cross for your sin. He suffered in your place. He took the penalty of sin upon himself. So through faith in Christ, you will receive the atonement. 
the penalty that you deserve for your sin is taken away from you because Christ took it for you. He removes the effects of sin from your life and he reconciles you to God. So how do we receive this grace? How do we receive this atonement? How can we have this eternal life? Well, it's all through Christ. You might be wondering, well, how can I be saved? How can I be forgiven of sin? Because I do realize, I do understand that I am a sinner. I do understand and I recognize that I need a Savior. And I recognize that that Savior is Christ. So how can I be saved? How can I be forgiven? The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Acts 3.19 says, Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And then Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10, it says, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So that right there is how you can be saved. That's how you can be forgiven. It's all through Christ. You must understand and, and, and realize that you need a Savior. That you can't save yourself, that this world can't save you, that the only person who can save you is Christ. You must truly understand that. And when you do, cry out to God. Like the Bible says, confess your sin. And when you do confess your sin, the Bible says that God will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And then in Acts, it says that we'll repent, and that we'll repent just means to turn away from sin, to turn away from the world, to turn away from the desires that you want to have in your life, and to live for God, and to be obedient to His Word, and to live for Him. And then also confess your faith in Christ. Believe that God raised Him from the dead. If you do that, if you want that for your life, then cry out to God. Just pray to Him. It's simple. You don't have to do some checklist, some requirement to pray to God. You just cry out to Him. Confess your sin. Confess your faith in Christ, and God, He will hear you.